There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. Okay, welcome everybody to Scary Sci-Fi Sluts. These are your hosts, I'm Kenny. I'm Brandon. And today we are talking about Twilight Zone. Um, this is our first Twilight Zone series. So we are starting with episode one. Episode one is titled, Where is Everybody? Twilight Zone is created by and written by Rod Serling. We dug up a little bit of information on Mr. Rod Serling here. Yeah, so we got a couple fun facts about Mr. Rod. Um, hey, Mr. Rod. <laughs> um, so he was born in December 25th, so Christmas of 1924. Ooh, see Santa? <laughs> um, he, I think he... He led a pretty boring life until he graduated high school, uh, in which he joined the army the day after. Um, he wanted to drop out early, but his teachers convinced him otherwise. So he was shipped off to California, which he was put into a platoon nicknamed the Death Squad, which is a little bit creepy. Ooh, that's ominous. Yeah. Seems like it was foreshadowing his future career. He served for quite a while. He went to Japan, where he saw quite a lot of bodies. It affected him pretty deeply and influenced a lot of his writing. Um, he said that it left him with a lot of nightmares and flashbacks, and he turned to writing as a therapy. Mr. Serling smoked three to four packs of cigarettes a day, which led to his inevitable death in Damn. 1975. It's a little... Little PSA, don't smoke. Yeah, listen up, kiddos. That's well, just from that alone, I mean we can we, we can definitely see where some of the inspiration for Twilight Zone comes from because it's it's a very unique show. It's very dark. Um, a lot of the episodes are very dark and twisted. There's a lot of really kind of interesting themes that that tend to make you think. Um, and there's a lot lot of uh, like conspiracy type stuff in there, a lot of creepy monster horror elements. But yeah, I mean, just based off the first episode alone, where it's talking about a guy who's in the Air Force, and at the end we find out that it was all a, it was all like a weird experiment. Yeah, like a test. You can kind of think about like what was he, what did he know, and what was this based off of? Right. A couple more little facts about the show before we get going. So the the writers for Twilight Zone, which Rod Serling was one of the main writers for most of the, the original series, um, they use science fiction and, I guess, horror as a vehicle for social comment um, because a lot of studio networks at the time, they censored controversial material from a lot of live dramas and um, they didn't seem to promote... Uh, like fantasy and sci-fi stories quite as much. So Rod Sterling thought it was a great idea to to sneak some of these 
these themes and these concepts into his show. Um, so a lot of times in Twilight Zone, you'll see kind of recurring themes um, about nuclear war, um, about McCarthyism and like socialist uh, politics, mass hysteria. And one other interesting thing that I, I've heard about throughout the years is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was in the talks with Warner Brothers to make a Twilight Zone movie. Um, I think this happened quite some time ago, but it's never really come to fruition. Um, Because he does, apparently it's one of his favorite TV series, which I think is super cool. We all like Leo. Now, I thought you were about to say that he was in the talks to be cast in the show, and I was like, how old is Leo? (laughs) I mean, I, I could see him as like a Rod Serling type, but... They actually did release a, I don't know if it's considered a remake, a continuation, or a, like, adaptation of Twilight Zone, Um, but earlier this year, or maybe it was late last year, I think it was late last year, they released the new Twilight Zone series through CBS, uh, hosted by Jordan Peele, who, of course, is getting really popular and has, has been in in the social eye for the past couple of years since he um, he's made some really well-received and popular horror movies. But I think what makes them so popular is that they tend not to be just horror. They blend a lot of like psychological aspects, um, um, a lot of like weird theory, kind of racial based, social based um like story themes into his horror movies. So he's, he's definitely someone who's on the rise right now. Yeah. He's a interesting actor. He's one of the very few comedians that have made the jump into sci-fi horror and is very successful at it. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's really funny. I I was just watching a couple key and P peel skits the other day and there's some definitely good ones. Uh, one more thing that that's kind of interesting, um, especially if you're a big movie person, is Matt Reeves, the guy who directed Cloverfield way back when, um, kind of reinvigorated the found footage genre. Um, he's he's been known as kind of a more dark, gritty type director. Not necessarily just horror. He's done a couple horror type movies, but also. He did um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, I believe War of the Planet of the Apes as well was done by him. And then he is the man who's helming the new Batman movie for Warner Brothers in DC. Um, he he was supposed to direct a Twilight Zone movie back in 2011, but that didn't work out because he, he had, um, I think, signed on to do Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. So that movie must have been scrapped or or maybe it's somewhere still in the works. But as of right now, we have yet to hear anything about it. I wonder um, which one do you think would have been more successful, the Twilight Zone movie or the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? I don't know. I mean, Twilight Zone, it's, it's definitely a very popular show. I, I think really just the original series because there's there's a couple continuations afterwards. I think the original series is, is very popular. Because I remember watching the first, not the first episode, but my first episode, my first exposure to it when I was super young. 
I think it just happened to come on TV or something, and I saw an episode, and it scared the crap out of me. Like, it was, let's see, what episode was it? I'm pretty sure it was the, the episode where there's three pilots um, that that were a part of some, like, aircraft crash, and then they're all in, like, the hospital together, and then slowly, one by one, uh, the pilots start, like, disappearing until it's just one pilot left and he's like where'd everyone go like i i was on this this ship with two other people but they disappeared and no one seems to know who they are and it, it's like they never existed and so he's he thinks he's going crazy but he knows he isn't and like stuff starts changing like in the newspaper it changes from three astronauts to one astronaut or whatever and that was my first episode i ever saw and i i thought it was so cool do you remember what was the first one you saw? I don't remember the first one I saw, but I remember that we rented it from the library, if any of you know what that is. Um, um, the Netflix library? Or? <laughs> yeah, it came in a VHS. Oh man, VHS. Those are the days. Yeah, I just I just have remember uh, memories of the, the pigs, the airplane episode, all the creepy stuff that comes with it. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I feel like it's it's been a very popular series, even though it's, you know, it first aired in 1959, even today, like, people are still exposed to it. it it's, it's left a lot of marks on current television, current movies, and, like, it, it did something really great for the genre. And I guess not, not even genre, it's genres, technically. It's, it's like thriller, it's drama, it's horror, it's mystery, it's so many genres packed together in one show. And I think it was one of the, the first series to, to actually do that. And it's, it's left its legacy, which I think is great. Yeah, you can definitely say it, it paved the way for future sci-fi, horror, yeah. thriller, and everything. I mean, if, if you think about it, it's the, the new series came out, I, I believe, in 2019. Like, they're still making it. How many, what is that, 60 years? 70 years down the road, they're, they're still trying to adapt it and, and make more of it. And, like, that's, that's impressive, you know? Yeah, um, I think what might be um, hurting them a little bit is that Black Mirror has really stolen the spotlight. Oh, yeah. And that's a way better show. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm down here. <laughs> better? I don't know about that. It's twisted. But, yeah. And so uh, the new series um, helmed by Jordan Peele is, is, for whatever reason, I've only seen the first episode, um, which I I really liked. I thought it was very, it wasn't super scary. It was just more like a little confusing and kind of like, thriller type with Camille Nanjiani, who's great actor, brilliant actor. Um, but I really like the first episode, but I guess the rest of the season is not very good for whatever reason. I'll have to see it and, and figure out why that is because I've looked at the cast list and looked at like the production value and it all looks great. Um, but maybe the writing is not where it needs to be. So Anyways, we're going to hop into Twilight Zone Season 1, Episode 1, Where Is Everybody? Um, this episode aired October 2nd, 1959, and it was directed by Robert Stevens, written by Rod Serling, 
cinematographer was Joseph Lachelle. And um, I would categorize the genre for this episode as mystery, thriller, and horror mixed in one. Uh, what, what do you think about that? I'd say that's fair. Um, maybe mystery and... Did you say thriller? Yeah, mystery, thriller, and horror. Maybe the two of those more than horror. Okay. There's definitely a, a couple scenes. Um, but it's hard to to give any of those like a hard hard rating. Yeah. Because um, it's such a blend. Yeah. It, it does look like maybe we have differing opinions about this episode. So I'm, I'm curious to see where we end up after we uh, get through the summary here. So if you want to go on ahead. So we start with a man walking down a road. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> he comes up to a cafe that's empty, but music is playing out of the jukebox. The man calls out, but no one answers. So he hops behind the counter looking for a worker, but finds nobody. In the kitchen, he accidentally knocks over a clock and the jukebox stops. The man starts talking to himself and mentions he isn't sure who he is and doesn't know if he's an American. Runs down to the nearby town where the clock tower bell is tolling. Runs up to the hardware store. No one is there. Checks multiple stores but it seems the entire town is empty. Suddenly, he sees a woman across from the bakery in the passenger seat of a van. The man calls out to her, saying he doesn't remember who he is, says he doesn't remember waking up, just remembers walking down a road. The man comes up to the car and discovers the woman is a mannequin. He laughs about it and jokingly flirts with the mannequin. Suddenly, the payphone across the street rings. He runs to answer, but no one is on the line. He dials the operator, but only gets a recording. The phone booth mysteriously locks, but the man manages to escape. He walks to the police department, and once inside, he feels like he's being watched and listened to. Picking up the police dispatch radio and calling all vehicles, he notices a still-lit cigar. He walks back into the jail cells and sees a sink still on where it looks like someone was just shaving. He sees the shadow of the cell door swinging shut behind him, but runs out before it closes. Now he is really worried and scared. The bell rings again. He goes over to the diner and makes himself a sundae. While talking to his reflection in the mirror, there is a book rack in the diner, and when he approaches it, he sees all the books are the last man on earth. Later, he is sitting outside on a bench playing tic-tac-toe with himself and when all the lights start turning on he goes to the theater and sees a movie poster of a man wearing a jumpsuit like his and the poster mentions the air force this leads him to believe he is in the air force so he runs out of the theater yelling out the man starts to think that maybe there was a bomb dropped a movie starts projecting suddenly and he runs to the projection room but there is no one there he runs back downstairs and accidentally runs into a mirror shattering the glass <laughs> he gets up and leaves the theater in fear and he is running away and he trips over a bike and falls secondly an idiot can't catch a break when getting <laughs> when getting back up he is staring directly into a large terrifying picture of an eye we then see a room full of military men watching the pilot on a screen screaming for people to help him the pilot is actually in a testing room testing booth of some sort, uh, hooked up to wires on his head. The military men stop the program and check on the pilot. 
They said he was suffering from delusions and was in a booth for 484 hours and 36 minutes. Whatever it is they were testing was a success because he lasted long enough for a trip to the moon in return. This was a test for lunar travel. The captain said they haven't figured out the human's need for companionship, which led the pilot to push the abort button. And that is episode one. Okay. Well, what what did you... Anything stood out about this episode, just, just off the bat? Yeah, so starting out um, really early in the episode, I like how he says, I'm going to wake up, I know it. And that just seems like it should be and is a reoccurring theme. For the entire show, because pretty much everyone, when they face their horror in this show, is like, all right, time to wake up. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, some thoughts I had was, why did he keep pulling the the handle of the phone? So I'm pretty sure that ends a call. Wait, what do you mean pulling the handle of the phone? So when he runs into the, uh, the phone booth, uh-huh. he pulls the phone, and then he keeps pushing on the button. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh- Plot hole. So I feel like he could have gotten a he could have gotten an answer, but the idiot turned the call off. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe people are trying to reach him, and he he just keeps turning them off. It's like nine one one trying to get a hold of him, and he's like, oh, "No, I don't know how this works." Click, 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 click. Well, I guess they don't teach you everything in the Air Force. I mean, he does have amnesia, so yeah. I thought it was it, it was really strange, and this this probably had a lot to do with this being nineteen fifty nine, but. There's a few different times in the episode where he's like, uh, like when he's sitting in the the kitchen in the diner, he's like, oh, I'm a paying customer. I got money. And he like goes through his pocket and he pulls out this, you know, couple bucks or whatever. He's like, I've got $2.85 of American money. Yeah. And then later, later he like, he's like, I don't know if I'm an American or not. I can't remember. And it's just really interesting that they seem to maybe depending on what was going on in the country and the world at the time, they're trying to, to reaffirm, reassure everyone that it's, you need to know that you're American. You're not okay. Unless you remember that you're American. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think he should have uh, switched it up at some point and be like, I'm Japanese and see if anyone pops out. Oh, it might not be the right year to do that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think they wanted to get viewers, not not send them all away. Yeah, click, turn this show off. <laughs> yeah, um, what did you think about the uh, crazy feeling of being watched? One of the quotes that he has. Yeah, oh, I actually, so I, I'm just going to say up front, like, I really liked this episode. Um, part of the reason was because he said... Um, he felt like he was being watched and felt like he was being listened to. And there's, there's a couple things interspersed throughout the episode, like the part where he falls down after tripping on the bike outside the theater. And when he's getting up, we see this picture, this huge picture fills up the entire screen of this eyeball. And it's like, it is so creepy and just because there's there's not that much music playing throughout the episode, it's mostly quiet, and there's nobody else in the town. It's just him walking around. The fact that he like he announces he feels like he's being watched and listened to, I think everyone could relate to that, and anyone watching could feel um, like put themselves in in his shoes, even though you haven't been in that situation before. Like I feel like if I was just in an empty town had amnesia didn't know what was going on didn't know where everybody was i'd start freaking out and i think i would start going crazy and feeling that same way like i feel like somebody's watching me even though i 
there's probably not anyone here. And I, I thought that was really cool. Really, really scary. Like that's, it's a very psychological horror, um, like situation to be a part of. And I thought they, in 1959, they portrayed that really well. Like, I, I put myself in his shoes. So now, that being said, though, um, I feel like nowadays with a lot of people being more um, homebodies, how many days or weeks do you think it would actually take you to freak out? Because I feel like it would take a, a good couple months before I started freaking out. Really? If you're just like you just showed up in a like a town by yourself, no one else is there. You you started seeing things like the cigar was still lit and. And the shaving stuff was still there. Well, you... see, that's that's the problem. I wouldn't even go around searching around. I'd probably just be in a house. Yeah. So I wouldn't find any of those weird items. Yeah. I mean, actually, this is a really interesting time to be talking about this episode because there, you like go out to certain parts of town or like you look at pictures across the country, like in New York City, for example, and, and there's like nobody in Times Square and if you go down to since i'm in seattle if you go down to pike's place market since all the vendors are gone like there's barely any people there it's it's kind of kind of creepy honestly oh yeah and if you go to vegas all the the rooms are empty yeah there's no hookers to be found <laughs> no no poker to play yeah it's it's scary although actually they are opening back up yeah so so someone hit the abort button <laughs> vegas hit the abort button <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need companionship we need people our hookers need friends one one little spoof i don't know if it was intentional it, it actually may have been but at the time um i was unsure but when he's uh, at the beginning of the episode when he's in the diner and then he, he walks out of the diner, you can see the sign in the window of the diner says it's on closed and not open. And I, I actually didn't catch at the very beginning when he walked in there if it said open or closed. So it may be a spoof, maybe not. But um, if it was, I just thought it was funny. Like, Or maybe it was intentional. Maybe it always said closed and he just went in there not knowing. Yeah, who knows? Do you want to get into the prices of these uh, items? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so great. What a time to be alive, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the si- on one of the signs in the diner says a banana split costs 40 cents. And then there's like, there's something else like ice cream or whatever, or whatever it was, coffee, drink. Oh, a malt. I think it said malt shake was like, I don't know, 25 cents, 35 cents or whatever. God damn. So I don't know if you saw my note, but... um. I also noticed that the a soda costs thirty cents, 30 and I just cents. feel like that's ridiculous. Because if a banana split is forty, how are you <laughs> going to charge me ten cents less for a soda? <laughs> who who knows what they put in their banana splits? Who knows what kind of soda? Because you know, back in the day, this probably isn't like cheapo out of those restaurant guns. It's just like straight syrup and and carbonated water soda it's probably like legit they make it in front of you they shake it like a cocktail like you don't know man add some cocaine yeah you know yeah 1959 who knows if if was it was that still the time when when coke had a uh, had some questionable ingredients oh probably <laughs> and something that i thought was really really creepy that almost got me like got like goosebumps on me was when he notices the mannequin lady in the van and he goes up and he doesn't, I don't know if this guy's blind or something, but he doesn't actually notice it's a mannequin until he's like right up on the car. 
but the way it's shot like from far away you can't really tell it's a mannequin but then as he starts getting closer and the camera like hops back and forth you definitely know she's a mannequin but it's just it's really creepy and you see on the side of the van that she's in it said like for the mannequin store and you see a couple mannequins in the background and it just yeah just give me the heebie-jeebies like mannequins in in those types of situations are scary as hell and it's actually really funny because caitlin and i watched i am legend last night and i don't know if you remember in i am legend but robert neville the character that's played by will smith he's he's alone in new york by himself and he's been there for three years so he starts to go a little crazy and to create like some type of social environment he sets up mannequins in like specific areas of the city like in a video store and there's this mannequin uh, that he he named fred this mannequin with like an orange jacket that's like waiting outside the mannequin store and he he talks to fred on his way in and out and and then later on in the movie he sees that fred somehow moved without his doing moved to a different area of the city and he starts freaking out because he realizes that either the mannequin's moving itself or one of the the vampire like monsters moved it and i just thought that was funny same same similar situation where a guy's by himself and there's a mannequin there and yeah, i thought it was a cool reference yeah i mean if you want to make anything 10 times creepier just put a mannequin in it mannequin or a doll of some sort like an annabelle type doll no thank you i'll check out oh god and then uh for those film and tv geeks who know who bernard herman is um bernard herman he did the score for this episode and um, he was quite famous back in the day because uh this little man that probably no one's ever heard of named alfred hitchcock <laughs> he was him and bernard herman worked on a lot of projects together he was like his go-to guy for for scoring his movies and um so i just thought it was really interesting that that i saw his name pop up what, what else do you got here for this one let's see so i really enjoyed the creaky jail door that was really creepy swung, um swung shut by itself but I think the camera doesn't show the door swinging shut. You just see like the shadow of it. Yeah. I enjoyed the old commercial break that was placed in there. I remember uh, that coming on and then you knew that it was commercial time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's super interesting just to see the twilight zone pop up and then it's immediately back into the, the scene. Yeah. It actually really made me think of uh, Scooby-Doo, like the original series, how they would, when they would like cut to commercial, they'd pop up the, the where are you Scooby-Doo sign and like, the white lettering oh yeah this is really really reminiscent of the, the time period yeah and if you guys listen to our podcast for long enough we will eventually probably in 2030 get to an episode of supernatural where they cross over to scooby-doo <laughs> you know i actually haven't seen that episode yet which i am not surprised by but kenny will get there one day <laughs> i'm really <laughs> excited for it well it does not disappoint so Dude, I love Scooby-Doo. I, I think it's so cool that that happened. Like, how meta is that show, man? Like, um, you cannot be any more meta. Oh, yeah. Has anyone ever tried playing tic-tac-toe with themselves? Because I feel like it would be just the worst. Not going to lie. I've been there. Okay. Uh, I won, though. So okay. we're good. <laughs> oh, I really liked uh, that this, in this episode ended up being fake at the end because a lot of these 
Um, and with you not knowing if it was fake or real, like it's a real inception on a lot of these episodes. Um, but this one was real closure. Yeah. I actually, um, a big, a big tie in here, like reference that I've, I've noticed is, um, X files definitely takes a lot, a lot of notes from twilight zone because with X files, at least in the early seasons, um, they, they kind of have the same deal where it's, by the end of the episode, the resolution, there could be like a logical explanation still. There could be a supernatural explanation. And that's that's very similar to to a lot of the formulas that you notice in Twilight Zone episodes. Super yep, smart. And then Supernatural takes notes off of X-Files. So it really <laughs> all comes back. Yep. yep. It all ties back to Twilight Zone. One, one cool little technical aspect that I noticed that... Again, this is really only important if you're a big like nerd film <laughs> technical nerd. Um, the after after the pilot um, runs down the stairs in the movie theater and he crashes into the mirror, the camera starts to do something a little different. So as soon as he when he breaks the mirror, he runs outside of the theater, and as soon as he's taken a step outside of the theater, the camera switches to a canted angle, which if you're not technologically savvy or familiar with what that term means, it just means um, tilted. So it's not oriented in the, the quote unquote correct position. And usually in film and TV, a canted angle is is done to disorient the viewer. It's, it's there to add a lot of like horror aspects to whatever is being shown. So you see it in, in a lot of horror movies, a lot of scary scenes and scary shots. The camera will like, you know, it'll, it'll tilt in a certain direction. And one person who loves using canted uh, camera angles and camera shots is James Wan. Um, I noticed that when watching The Conjuring not too long ago, rewatching it. And I, I saw that that happened quite a few times. He likes to do a lot of camera tricks like that. And usually those types of camera movements because they they make the viewer a little uncomfortable because you're trying to like you know you're like tilting your head or you're trying to see trying to focus on on what's going on you're trying to figure out what you need to focus on it just adds a lot of like suspense and and thrill to the shot yeah i do think that this one was a little bit um less noticeable just because the the cameras weren't as sophisticated back then um but definitely if you're not like a a film study or like a film buff you probably won't notice it too much. I mean, I, I saw Kenny's show note in here as I was watching and I didn't notice anything. Mm. You normie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But definitely with a lot of James Wan's uh, newer stuff, you can definitely see it. Just like a, a last little side note. I wrote in my notes here when I was watching it, was this before the lunar landing or after? Because Knowing that the episode aired in 1959, obviously we hadn't been on the moon yet. Um, but I wonder when the episode was supposed to wait. When was this supposed? To... Oh, it took took place in 1958. So this was years before, like about a, a decade. Yeah, because ni- 1969 we landed on the moon, right? Yeah. Um, so this is 11 years before the actual lunar landing. So it's it's interesting to see that. 11 years before this 
you know, simple TV program was, I guess, allowed to to make references to to something that the government was definitely planning. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, I, I thought that was that was really cool because being 1959, where since we we hadn't actually gone to the moon yet, it's it's the start of like the space race, and um, this is when when Russian government and and the U.S. government and and you know everyone else was trying to to compete to to get into space and be successful and in space travel and um it's just i thought it would have been more regulated like concepts like this since since we do find out at the end of the episode like the reason they put this guy in in this chamber was to see if he was physically and psychologically prepared for a potential trip to orbit around and then trip back um to the moon and then back to earth and so i just thought it was really cool yeah and uh in my notes i put his name should have been neil to make a little Easter egg to Neil Armstrong, but now realizing that this was ten years, <laughs> way ten years too early. before the moon landing, I see that that's not possible. If, dude, that would be some some real level Twilight Zone shit. If they be named Simpsons the guy level. Neil, yeah, and then it turns out you know Neil Armstrong, then I feel like Rod Sterling would be in trouble. Yeah, maybe that's why they uh, killed him off early. Yeah, with quote unquote cigarettes. Ooh. Do, 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 do. Conspiracy. Um, anything else you want to add on episode one? I think that's it. So let's get into um, rating it. Go ahead. What do you think? Out of 10. Oof. Um, so I gave it a six out of 10. And my reasons being are a little bit jaded. Um, a so- little bit. <laughs> uh I feel like I like the the story. I like the like where they're going with everything, but I just can't seem to get into um, anything that's black and white or pre like seventies. It's kind of hard to keep your attention. Oh no, that's why you gave it a six. <laughs> oh come on, <laughs> you got to think about like. Everything about this episode, the fact that it was made in 1959 is it's so crazy. Like it's so beautifully shot black and white or not. Like the thing is about the thing about black and white is you can there's there's a lot of different techniques that that the director and cinematographer can can use. Um, Like, I guess if you're not if you're not super uh, film geeky you wouldn't notice as much, but they use, you have to use like specific types of lights and like really hard or really soft lights. And they play with contrast a lot. That's one thing that, that does stand out about this one. So I'd I'd go back and and watch it with like a more, not like entertainment eye, but like a technical eye. And you see, there's a lot here. Okay. So then let's get into your rating and we'll see why you came up with your score. (laughs) What what, is that? Is that the only reason you gave it a six? What about like the story um, did you think it was like particularly like was it a good story in in a short twenty something episode? Was the acting good? Um, what, what yeah, think? I mean it's hard to say without knowing the actor from other things. Um, he was a little bit rushed with his lines, um, and I don't know if that's just what he was trying to do. But yeah, I mean it was like a solid solid story, solid solid job okay but you're sticking with a six i mean i might give it a seven we'll see we'll see what you got (laughs) you son of a bitch (laughs) all right well i'm kind of hovering around the opposite side of the spectrum here i gave it a nine maybe even a 9.5 out of 10 
Um, I think I'll, I'll go with a nine. And the reason I gave it such a good score is because kind of what I said previously, I feel like the the production design was really good. The set design looked great. The The small town that, that the episode took place in was, it just looked and felt like so real, I guess. I don't know if there's a better way to put it. It felt really authentic. And um, like the way that the director like, shot it i i was i was caught in it when he was running around the town running over to the phone booth crashing into the mirror running out of the theater like i i felt like i was there in the moment and i i think a lot of that just has to do with i i liked how it was directed and um of course we have the the score from bernard herman was really good really you know kept you on the edge of your seat when it was there it wasn't there all the time which also was great adds a lot of suspense and, and tension the acting was it was okay one thing i will agree with you on when it comes to kind of older stuff pre 60s pre 70s is even sometimes the 70s acting is not the best i don't know what the standards were for acting i don't know if it has to do with the writing style of older time periods but acting for the most part, tends to be a little more on the stale side. Everyone's going for the, you know, the Humphrey Bogart, like, hey, I'm I'm a badass here now, <laughs> you know? And yeah, so I'm, nothing spectacular about the acting. It was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I mean, pretty much until we got Leonardo DiCaprio, everyone was like, yeah, I'm just going to coast. Uh, more like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let's say that. Arnold? <laughs> That's an actor right there. Oh my gosh! We'll we'll have to do we'll have to do Total Recall or something at some point, and and because that that's some pretty heavy sci-fi with some horror elements, and we'll we'll get into Arnold. Yeah, overall, I felt the episode really since it was the pilot, it it introduced everyone to what to expect with the rest of the series, and I, I think it did that really well. Like going in um, and finishing the episode, I got horror elements i got thriller elements i got dramatic elements conspiratorial elements like there's there's a lot of different different themes here and i i feel like it, it really told the audience this is what we're about and so bravo rod serling i give it a nine out of ten all right so that was episode one next week we'll be releasing twilight zone episode two and that one is one for the angels so definitely, definitely check in for that one. If you liked what we had to say about today's episode, you have any questions, comments, concerns, if you want to spew some love or some hate, hit up our social media, um, which are... Pretty much just search Scary Sci-Fi Sluts on any of the social media platforms and you'll find us. Outside of Google, if you look it up on Google, you might get some weird porn. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> Unless that's what you want. That's totally fine. We don't judge. We're we're good on we're getting some traction on Twitter. We're we're getting some traction on Instagram and Facebook. And as of right now, you can listen to us on uh, Podbean, Apple, or Spotify. So definitely check in, leave us a comment, leave a review. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in this week to Scary Sci-Fi Sluts. If you enjoyed our discussion, have any comments or criticisms, or just, you know, want to say hi, 
please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it. We work off of the feedback, so we we would definitely appreciate it if you left a review. Until next time, stay scary and stay sexy. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone.